Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. You asked for it. <laughs> it's finally here. Boom. The Game of Thrones. Three, bro- well, two brown boys, one bronze boy. Rewatch. Am I the bronze one? Or are you considering yourself bronze? Oh. I guess me and the bill kind of similar in color. That's I'm golden. I mean. Let's just keep it there. Okay. But the Game of Thrones season one rewatch is here. Boom. Boys. Wow. Let me just ask you one question. Where were you? What were you doing when you first saw Game of Thrones in your life? Watching it on the big screen at, at home and uh, shitting my pants for how good the quality looked like for a fucking TV show. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing, Chef. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, it was a pretty unentertaining setting for when I was watching the show. It was like late at night. I was flipping through HBO Go. I've always heard these two white kids sitting behind me in my speech class talk about this shit my freshman year in high school. So that was way back. And I saw this maybe... My freshman year in college, I started Game of Thrones. So, fucking four years. So, I missed out a good amount of shit. And they would talk about it literally every Monday. Because yeah. I think the, what, the episodes come out Sunday or something? Every like Sunday. That? Every Sunday, yeah. So, they would talk about it Monday at class every day. And I had no idea what these fuckers were talking about. It took me four years to realize, god damn, this is amazing. Man, this that hurts. is unbelievable. That hurts to miss out. On probably the greatest four-year stretch of television in the history of television production in the modern era. I mean, I was watching The Office for four years over and over again. So, I mean, it wasn't that bad because it was The Office. But yes, I could have been watching Game of Thrones. It's all good, bro. At least you caught up to it. Yeah. I heard for you. But yeah, man, Game of Thrones, based on the first George R.R. Martin novel in the series, A Song of Ice and Fire. 1996 novel. Take a guess. How many countries do y'all think the first season of Game of Thrones was filmed in? 12. 12. I'm going to go 15. 10. Damn it. Only 10 countries. But still, like it it had an $80 million budget, which again, you mentioned how nice it looked. You know, they were able to pour profound amounts of money into this show. And I don't know if y'all ever remember an old HBO show called Rome. Right, a lot of a lot of similar characters from Game of Thrones played in Rome, but Rome was the first HBO hit show with a massive scope like that. Multiple countries, big world building, and you know it's based off the events of Julius Caesar mm. being betrayed. So, Game of Thrones was able to make it happen with production on this one, and they created what I think is the first great cultural phenomenon with these big budget cable TV series that really led to a lot of advances in television we'd never seen before. Season one of Game of Thrones. Y'all, this is this is a completely different animal from the other seasons too. We don't have to talk about season eight oh God. or the disaster that led to no one rewatching Game of Thrones during the entire COVID-19 pandemic. Damn, I don't even think about watching Game of Thrones during that. You're right. You were of right. all the things we re- I rewatched Dragon Ball Z, like the entirety nice. of Dragon Ball nice. Z. Nice, nice, nice. It's probably more satisfying. Start to finish. Oh my goodness. 
I watched Avatar. The inner kid in great. me wants to give you a hug. I didn't know you were like that. So nice. Yeah. Find out next on the next episode of Dragon Ball. You're still going to hear me screaming, trying to hit you with the Kamehameha. Yeah. But yeah, bro. I think this, this was a crazy achievement for television. This is a season where think about all the things they did in season one of Game of Thrones. All the things they had to do. They had to introduce this world, this massive world to you. Over 70 characters that we're going to develop and go on a journey with. You have to introduce these cities, these houses, their histories. You have to foreshadow and then set up the driving conflict of the rest of the show. And do it in 10 episodes. And the show was able to do that. They were able to make you care about certain characters who were ripped away from you. They were able to set up a massive world where multiple houses are fighting over a throne. And what that throne means and you have some unprecedented, I think, moments in television, like the death of your pro- only protagonist uh, at the end of the first season. So, what do y'all have? Any like impressions or kind of takes before we go into categories on season one of Game of Thrones? Yeah, man. For me, I mean, just watching it like for the first time and just seeing what this was from you know like a completely outsider point of view, like unlike Yuvala. You know, I, I didn't read the books or anything like that, so I really wasn't going into it with Same. any perspective. So if for me, just seeing this and seeing, like, you know, Sean Bean and I, I thought it was going to be a Lord of the Rings 2.0, but holy fuck, yeah, this was some of the most gruesome, yet in violent, yet, like, necessary pieces of content. Not for the re- reason to be, yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. It was, very like, gritty. it was seeing a very dark show and uh, seeing very dark characters and seeing that on television at such a scope, man, like we said, um, that was just phenomenal to me, and I'm happy the show went Dang, to where you okay, it went. Man? The way that you just said that just seemed a little dark. It was a little dark. I'm sorry, bro. I yeah. mean, think about it. The your protagonist, the only guy who seems to have a moral compass, who's a positive and vying for the throne, Ned Stark. When you first meet him, he's beheading a fucking guy who ran away because mythical creatures were killing his Night's Watchmen. So yeah, I mean. It, it starts out dark. It goes. You want, we'll talk about the opening scene of the show. Jesus Christ. As well, but yeah, it, dark is a good way. Gritty is a good way to describe it. Also, the lack of darkness in characters is another thing we should talk about later on in terms of casting. But we'll get there. All right, all right, man. Let's start it off with the most rewatchable scene, man. Nabil. So we go on rewatchable style on this, like we always do, correct? Of course, always. Like always that. Go for it. Most rewatchable scene, man. Uh, yeah, I think what we just talked about, right, man? The the opening scene was just one of those scenes that just really fucks with somebody. And I think just really draws you in more than anything else. I can't think of any other scene in television history that just made me like watch the scene, get my mind blown, and see these characters that unfortunately later didn't mean much to the, mo- to, the, to the TV show. But at that time, they're portrayed as being this unstoppable being that, you know, can do whatever the fuck it really wants to. Um, so for me, yeah, the opening scene is just by far the best scene uh, for, for me, the most rewatchable scene at least. The opening scene of the book as well. It's the, the prologue Ooh. of the book. And it's shot much the same way as it was written. few subtle differences, but yeah, man, you have... First, you're setting up this world. Like, who the fuck are these Night's Watch? Like, what the what's this wall? What's going on? What the fuck? Are they like Kingsmen or what? Who are they? Yeah. Um, so they're going out on a patrol and yeah, they meet the unstoppable force after they discover fucking dead bodies 
beheaded bodies all over the place. Dead little girl comes back and haunts them. And then homeboy gets his head chopped off by a white walker who's just Chilling. just playing with him, toying with him, essentially. And then the, the crazy thing about that is you don't see these characters again for like two or three seasons. You see little mysteries, little cues here and there, like the dead man who is revived in Mormont's, Commander Mormont's Lodge the night John So saved his life. So you see little hints of it, but that's the beautiful thing about Game of Thrones is you have something so subtle, something so visceral as the opening scene of the show, and then you don't even need to mention it because it's established in the stories old Nan tells Bran when she's reminding him of the old long night. It's established in seeing dead men walking and fucking trying to kill the Night's Watch. And how the the wildlings say they're trying to go as south as possible because they know what's in the north. So th- this is a show that doesn't necessarily hold your hand. They kind of rely on the intelligence of their audience. And that first scene sets up the lore, sets up the world for those shivers in your back anytime the White Walker music plays on screen. It's true. Yeah, that shit scared the fuck out of me whenever I heard of that White Walker uh, coming, man. And that's crazy how you can definitively make you know, those characters, just one character, such a scary character for just like you said, well, for like the next couple of seasons and not have to even bring them on screen for so long either. It, it's, it's amazing. That's kudos to the show. Chef, what about you, bro? What was your most rewatchable scene? Oh uh, man, honestly, you guys had the intro covered. So let's go. I'm gonna go to my next one. This was probably the biggest, what the fuck just happened in the show moment for me. So it's got to be my most rewatchable, man. When my man Ned Stark got his head cut off, I really thought somebody was going to come save him. For a guy to be really looking like the hero throughout the season, and I thought somebody that's going to be sticking around for a long, long time, they really just made it seem like, man, you can't be holding on to anybody in this show. Dude, somebody can go the next episode, the next moment. So when that happened, I was like, holy shit, dude. This is insane. This this show, you can't expect anything. And that was probably my most rewatchable moment because that blew my mind. I had to, I got to be with you with that intro, Neville, because, yeah, I watched that shit late at night and it scared the hell out of me too because I had no idea what I was coming into. But, dude, I was not expecting that Ned Stark. I thought somebody was going to save him. But once he saw that happen, dude, you see the... F- Everybody was just so crazy. You see Arya Stark just standing there, just shocked. I feel like everybody just watching that happen, even at homes, was the same. Just shocked. So that's got to be easily, man, my, my rewatchable moment. It, it set, the, set the tone for the penultimate episode of every season. Episode 9 being the episode where shit goes down. Right? Season 2, episode 9. What was that one? You guys remember? I don't. There? The Battle of Blackwater sort of Bay. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's true. Season 3, Episode 9 is The Red Wedding. Season 4, Episode dude, 9, The Battle on the Wall. Crap, The Red Wedding, dude. Yeah, so this really set the tone, man. And it was, you know, the like I mentioned, Season 1, what was so different about it is that it's a slow detective story where Ned Stark is going to King's Landing to protect his best friend of childhood. And he's trying to find out who killed John Aaron. And you see it in little pieces here and there, like when he's reading the fucking book of houses and he learns Joffrey's not a Baratheon because all the other Baratheons had black hair. 
And he's reading the book like, oh, Uba Baratheon, black hair. Oh, Joffrey Baratheon, golden hair. So little moments like that where they set it up and they pay it off later, of course, when he finally makes the revelation and tells Cersei and things go south because Ned was never the politician. But that's your guy. That's the guy we, the lens that we as viewers have through the investigation is Ned Stark. And then all the way up to that point in, in episode nine, even though I had read the book too, I was waiting like, all right, the TV show is going to like keep Ned around. He's such a popular character. It's Sean Bean, the only big time actor on the show. Like someone's going to come in and save him. It's, we're waiting to see who it is. But no, beheads him. End of the episode. Yeah, end of the season. It was yeah, it was wild to me when when seeing that happen, and like we like you said, man, it's just knowing that no character is safe. If you like this character, no, they could be gone within an episode. So it, it definitely set the point forward that this was gonna happen. But yeah, what's the next category, bro? Oh, what about me? Oh fuck, we didn't even hit you. My bad. You go for it, Damn. bro. Hey, this time the bill forgot about you. I you did. see this? Yeah, yeah. You you're, oh, you're sorry. passing the mantle yeah, on. Yeah, you okay. see this? Wow. This is nice. I apologize. Go for it, Vala. You remember that? Baton. Wow. Baton. So, I got a couple, man. Talk to me, brother. Number one. Season one, again. Mm-hmm. Not too many sword fights. There's a couple. You know, the the Ned and Jamie, the the trial by combat of Tyrion and the Vale. A couple other moments. But it was all combat dialogue battle of wits and anytime Littlefinger and Varys were in a scene together I thought that shit was fire just them trading hurling insults and rumors and their power capabilities to each other especially when they're in the throne room before Ned Stark comes out to make some official decree but anytime those two were on screen together I I was ready to Stay on the episode and keep watching. Get dialed in and listen, man. The other one for me, though, was Tyrion's trial by combat. Okay. Finally, like, seeing Peter Dinklage uh, when his life was on the line, how he reacted, how he played it in a game of wits and still had his comedic elements telling that story about the prostitute and bringing a jackass into a brothel and all the other things. And then seeing Bronn stand up for him... And seeing who Bronn was, who was a smart fighter, used his speed against this knight, and then killed him dishonorably, but he's alive in the end, at the end of the day, and that's who he's going to be. So, I liked him, dude. And he's a character that stays forever. And Buffy. his prime motive was money and saving Tyrion, and his prime motive doesn't change the rest of the show. He's a consistent character that the fans loved and the showrunners kept around. I think he dies in the books, though. I think he'll end up dying rather quickly. Nice big letdown. Boom. Well, what we're we looking at next, man. The aging, what age is the best? Yeah. So basically, what after all these years? I mean, Game of Thrones came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, what's stood the test of time? What's age the best for you guys? Man, for me, it's it's the CGI. Like it's the fact that you just alluded to it, Bala. Like nearly ten. It's been ten years, and to say like the shooting. The CGI, like everything about it was just so well made that you couldn't tell me it was made two years ago and it looks the same. The production was top notch, right? You actually had actual piece, uh, you know, 
the actual shooting pieces nothing was holographic it was all done on location no expense was spared um and to say to have this on like a television scale hbo just went full out on it and i think it's one of these shows that even even if we watch it you know another 10 to 15 years down the line it's still going to look just as beautiful if not more and it's still going to retain that value that we want as an audience just because it's so believable as well so yeah for me it's that cgi and just the whole production value of the whole uh, season one Nice, man. $80 million. It's a it'll lot buy, back It'll then. buy you a lot. It will. A lot of night. I mean, the set designs and the clothing were unmatched. Yeah. Like, Rome set the precedent for creating a world that looked authentic and genuine. Game of Thrones is a fake world, a fantasy world, and it looked fucking genuine. Right. So, yeah, man. That's unmatched at the time in terms of production value. For me, it was the detective element of season one. Again, like going back to it, just how, you know, the whole thing was essentially who killed John Aaron. That's the first, when we shift to Westeros, that's the first thing we see is his dead body. And Jamie Lannister, my favorite character, um, kind of like ruining with Cersei over what they're going to do and whether or not they're safe. So this detective story just happened to be in a world with fucking dragons and magic and all these other things that giants and mythical creatures that we start to see later on in the show. Um, yeah. I mean the slower pace of this season, you don't go from kind of like season seven and eight, you don't go from one side of the world to the other side of the world in one episode or the same episode in certain instances. So the slower pace, I think, allowed that mystery to be fully investigated. And through that investigation, we learn about a lot of characters. We learn about Cersei's love for her kids and how ruthless she is. She essentially bought Littlefinger and made the plot against Ned to imprison him. So you see that. You see Arya's character develop the way she was. So there's there's a lot, lot more that I'll say about these characters when we go to a different category, but... I think the slower pace allowed you to really learn about these characters, which set things up going forward. I would agree with you on that, bro. I, I think the slower pace, I think the good thing about it, like you said, was being able to vet out all these characters and learn more and more about them. And I, 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 tr- I truly do love it. And the fact that, like you said as well, um, John, and the fact that all of this was through the lens of Ned Stark, just trying to find out everything about John Aaron and you pretty much opening a, a you know kind of like a little board and like a little you know like a deeper and deeper layered like onion or like a watermelon that you keep opening up and it has like more and more layers to it i'm, I'm just hungry as hell right now dude your food references on the last two i tried it i try a pizza pie of a basketball a pizza team. pie of a basketball team and a watermelon of, of layers over here bro that's all it is <laughs> a watermelon of, of layers of layers a watermelon of layers bro so that watermelon is huge wow. and juicy right there, and I, I am I'm very happy about it. How many layers does a watermelon have to build? Depends on which which season you get it. Depends on where you get it from, bro. If you get it from Mexico, you know them gonna be deep as fuck. So no, it, depends, it all depends on where you get it from, chef. <laughs> That's fair, man. Next time I need a watermelon, we'll go shopping together. Bet. Let's go across the border. <laughs> oh man, oh man. But yeah, dude. As far as for me, dude, I think what aged the best was probably Jamie and Cersei's relationship throughout the season uh you can definitely tell um when they first introduced those guys i believe what it was when bran climbed up the little windowsill and he found them and he pushed well i think it was jamie pushed him out the windowsill that when i figured out these two guys were up there was probably the biggest shocker for me this is coming from a guy that 
really was watching The Office, a normal-ass show that everybody watches, coming into something that's going on like this, man. You have literally your, what, I don't even know what Cersei and Jamie are to each other. Are they siblings? They're twins. They're twins? twins? That's even worse, man. See, I didn't even want to think about that. See... When I first found that out, that was just weird to me. But once they start introducing all these different aspects of relationships and different things going on in the show, I think they built their relationship a lot stronger. Does it make sense? They were going at it, dude. And that was just sick to me. But at the end of it, you can definitely see they all have one thing in common. They're looking out for their kids. And I think that's what probably aged the best for me. Jamie and Cersei's relationship. I'm not going to talk about the last season. We both know what happens. I think at the end of the tunnel, when they come down, we both know what happens. I felt like that was a foreshadow. He should have never gone back to Cersei. You don't think so? No. Come on. That's I his, whole like growth, his whole growth as a character. I think that was the whole... I mean, he you know you didn't want him to die, but you got to know if he pushed this guy out the windowsill for her, you don't think he's gonna go back? He's done some shitty things in his life. I think to fulfill his whole character, arc, at least for me, would have been the fact that he doesn't need her anymore. But it's it's all good, bro. It's the atrocities of the last season that we don't we don't speak of anymore. But yeah, bro, I'd agree with you on that. Age the the worst now, man. What you got, Mister Vala? This was kind of a hard one for us. I know we we're trying to talk about this. I don't know, just the killing of the wolves. Killing of the, killing wolves. Of the dire wolves. Killing Sansa's dire wolf and then setting the tone for killing a dire wolf damn near every season afterwards. How do you normalize killing a dire wolf? That's no, just that's ruthless. Not okay. Dire wolf is an intelligent animal. I agree. Compassionate animal. It's, it's adorable. Unless it senses it has to rip your nuts off, then it's not as compassionate. But How often does that happen, though? Come on now. Once, once a blue moon, somebody rips a ball. Once like this a ball. blue moon. Once a blue moon. It's like, owning, it's like owning a pit bull. It is, right? <laughs> it is what it is. Bro, for me, I loved like, you know, so as somebody, again, who hasn't read the books, I kind of wish that they fleshed out Robert Baratheon's character just a little bit more in the first season. Just gave him a little bit of more background. I would have liked to see that. Um, and again, this is very nitpicky, man. I thought the guy who played Robert Baratheon did great. I understand his whole character arc, but... If, if I'm being nitpicky, yeah, just I wish I had a little more background into his character and understood the background of why he how he got there and, you know, just playing it all out. So, um, yeah, that's that's the only nitpick for me. Dude, this one was kind of a hard one for me, man. I had to I had to really think about it. But being a guy that was in crutches doing my thing, it's kind of a pain in the ass. And I know a lot of people hated it, too. I hated watching this guy being wheeled around doing his thing. So I think age of the worst for me, man, was Bran. You hated seeing him wheeled around? Dude, I don't know. It just I was like, bro, this guy really Poor isn't bastard. doing anything right now. He's got my guy Hodor just doing him. I loved Hodor, don't get me wrong, but So you're upset at the fact that Hodor had to push around Bran. Yeah, dude. Struggles, bro. For the fact that this guy got to do in the beginning of the season. <laughs> Just being pushed around to, at the end of the season, being able to be a ruler? Come on. That wonder, is insane. You wonder, as a paraplegic, though, Bran Stark, like, how do they empty his bladder? <laughs> how do they catheterize him? Wow. So he could pee. 
Do you think they're, they're Were they giving him daily suppositories so, so he could empty his bowels? I think so. Was it Hodor giving him the suppositories? <laughs> Hodor is a medical practitioner. Or the, or the wild, was it the wildling chick? Was she Ooh. down and freaky like that? I think I don't think you're giving Hodor enough credit, my G. I think I, I think he was a uh, wise beyond what we showed. Can we just can we skip ahead for a second and do a a casting what if for Hodor? Who would be the only other suitable actor that could possibly play Hodor? Maybe Kevin. Dwayne the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Kevin James. Kevin James. <laughs> I could see Kevin James. Is he big Dwayne enough? the Rock Johnson. Enough. The Rock would be if you I could call Drogo. Just carrying him. He's carrying him on his back. He's That's not even true, wheeling man. him around. Hodor just rock bottoming people I'll all the time. I'd rather have him carried around. <laughs> he rock bottoms a white walker. Yeah, yes, dude. Hits him with the people's elbow. He's just in the middle doing his people's elbow. Takes off a sleeve. Done. You smell what Hodor's cooking, bro. He, rip, he rips his jacket sleeve off. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, bro. That would be fantastic. Wow. I think, those are I think you should stick to I the casting was, one. Yeah, I think we just went to the Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson it is. Okay. Locking it wow. in for Hodor. For Hodor. <laughs> I think that would have made the death a lot easier. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going down with the people's so I'll take it. <laughs> Oh man, man! Let's see who came off the bench. Who's the sixth man? I think me and you had the same way. I think a lot of us did. Tywin Lannister for me. How about you? I had my guy Cereal Pharrell, man. Pharrell, Pharrell. How do you say that shit? How do you say Cereal Pharrell? Pharrell. First sword to the Sea Lord of Bravos. Okay. So how do you say his last name again? Pharrell. Okay, well, that dude, that's my sixth man. Okay. Tywin Lannister for me as well. I think the greatest introduction to a character this show's ever had is when they're in the Lannister camp and Jamie's reporting back to him that Tywin's been captured by Lady Catelyn. And we meet Tywin's character as he's fucking skinning a deer or an elk or whatever it was. Like real life skinning. Charles Dance had to learn how to skin an animal for this scene. I did not know that. Wow. So he's skinning this animal and he guts it too. And just all this with bloody hands acting through the scene. Going back to Jamie and That's wild. putting his hand to his face to wow. tell him to fulfill his destiny. That's the worst way to tell somebody to fulfill yeah. the destiny. I didn't even realize that was actually real. I thought that was all CGI. That's wow. just... That's, no, that's he really, sad. yeah, he skinned and gutted Jesus that Christ. elk. That's wild. Ew, Tripeed man. Out of field there with that that's one. my sixth man, though. Any scene that he was in, he commanded the screen. Uh, he was a formidable character in the later se- in the later s- seasons of the series, especially season two when he's got interactions with Arya. I thought that was an underrated duo. Um, but yeah, man, sixth man for me as well. Serial Pharrell. Talk about him, bro. Dude, this guy, man. Honestly, I loved him for the fact that he actually... Really felt like, to me, the one person that really changed Arya Stark's character development. Really turned her into that actual warrior that she really wanted to be instead of that... Just a typical woman I feel like, you know, Sansa was growing up to be. Like, I mean, you can also tell she, throughout the seasons, you know, became that sort of... How do I say this? I wouldn't say, like, a warrior, but, you know, she became a a stronger woman, in a sense. I'm not trying to offend anybody here. And the target audience that we got. But uh, yeah, dude, Arya Stark really just changed after meeting Sirio Pharrell. Really going to always say his no- name wrong. But <laughs> yeah, man, I had this guy as my sixth man. I think when what they were raiding um, 
fuck, where were they at when they were um, they were training and everybody came in and raid in? And he was fighting back. Who was that guy, man? The Kingsguard people. Yeah. Well, Marin Trant was his name. There you go. Yeah, man. He, he stood back, man. He we never see, and we never see the yeah, fight. We never see the fight, but I mean, you got to. never see him die. Ooh. Could you he know. be Jacques and Hagar? Ooh. So, yeah, bro. Serial for all. And don't forget when Arya in season eight kills the Night's King, the only reason she's able to kill him is because she's quiet enough. To sneak up from behind. And Sirio Pharrell taught her to be quiet so she could catch cats in King's Landing at night. And she's training to like catch cats one time when we see Ned walking through the corridors. So yeah, Sirio Pharrell was big. Is he Jacques and Hagar though? Ooh. Who knows? I don't know. We never see him die. He's this mysterious guy from Bravos with incredible sword skills. Jacques and Hagar is from Bravos. Ooh. Um, he just so happens to be in the same building that we meet Jacques and Hagar in, the black cells of King's Landing. And, I don't know, he's mysterious and talks very weird and seems to have an attachment to Arya, even in season two, like we see from Jacques and Hagar. Who knows? Damn. Just saying. It's one of the theories in the book, but... The show doesn't really ever bring him up again, so I don't think the show. So, do is you going recommend everybody that's, I guess, seen the show to maybe go ahead and go back and read the book? It's a heavy read. I don't recommend yeah, it. Long ass books, bro. I don't have the attention. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot. That's but an audio book. Hard, yeah, it's yeah. hard for people to read one book. But would you alone. say they missed out on some details that you think are quite important in the not book? Season, not season one, but subsequent seasons. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not about to go back and do it, but I'm just saying, like. For future podcast episodes, season two rewatch, season three rewatch. We can go all the way to season four, and then I think things yes. start to go yeah, downhill. Yeah, season four. I four think it starts to go downhill. Yeah, no, I'm good until four. Four was phenomenal. After that, everything else has just gotten disappointing when you start collecting up till. But yeah. Damn, I'm seeing a real hatred towards this last couple of seasons. The tease, bro. It's it's the tease. it's just the tease. You can't like you can't be as great as you were season one <laughs> oh, through four. Man, and just hit us with season eight and nine. That's that's you're a funny guy, man. Learn from you, my G. Learn from learn from Vala over here. Season eight was a disaster. Was it was incredible. an unmitigated disaster. I felt like we should have seen it coming though. Rushed. No, it was just ugh. poorly written. Yeah. You could have maybe done a Daenerys arc where she's the evil queen, if you stretch it out over a season and a half, at least one full season, but not six episodes. You just want something to watch. Yeah. Nobody was. It, it could have yeah. been the worst right. season Me in the too. world. People would have watched it, bro. Anybody would have watched it. So let me ask y'all something. If they made another season out right now, just trying to carry on from what just ended, would y'all watch it? I don't think you can carry on from there. Whatever. Yeah, I don't think they want to touch the source material again, but they're going to do the prequel. So I'm definitely going to watch the prequel when that comes out. Okay. Let yeah, I think is, I think they've they've made the audience. Like, I think the audience is there to watch Game of Thrones. The market's there. I think it'd be foolish for them not to kind of expand the series a little bit. So, yeah, I'm still going to watch the prequel. It's like Marvel now, right? Like, anything Marvel comes out with, you're going to want to watch. You're just going to be addicted to it. I think the similar things to people that watch Game of Thrones. Anything associated with Game of Thrones, people are just going to watch it now forever. And HBO's, like, not doing so great compared to other streaming services yeah. and compared to their own standards for success. They've lost a lot of viewers. And subscribers since Game of Thrones went down. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I think I've I really only had the account just to watch that. And shit, it wasn't even mine. I used somebody else's account. I, I hopped on and finished uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Unreal, dude. The Great. second half of the first season is incredible. Okay. Yeah, I recommend it. 
Cool. Lovecraft Country. See, it's crazy. Like what you were talking about with that. I think a lot of people dropped their HBO subscriptions and went over to Disney Plus. I think I think Disney Plus had just started coming out with a lot more cool shit that people wanted to watch. So yeah, I'm with you, man. HBO needs to get their shit together. I, I kind of miss uh, when they had. Well, if you remember, like it was True Detective, Game of Thrones, same night, and then you had Westworld come on right afterwards as well. And like, so many like isolated one season successes, yeah. like uh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl was great. Chernobyl was good. I don't know if you're Damn, Nabil, I think you told me to watch Westworld, man. Westworld was great, yeah. It's worth the watch. Fucking great, yeah. The first couple of seasons, the first couple of seasons I thought were Damn, phenomenal. Damn, what's up, Nola? You shook your head a little bit. You don't, you don't agree? It started amazing, the yeah. first season. Second season was okay. Third season kind of went off the rails. But. Yeah, I, 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 it's kind of like Game of Thrones in that fashion. Mm. The first two seasons were phenomenal. I thought the first season was so promising. Um Second season I thought was great, and then third season, yeah, it's just it got shitty. But it's a good first two seasons to watch. All right, True Detective as well, definitely watch Vice Principals. I don't know if you're a Vice Principals fan, but we're, love it. Yeah, fucking loved it. Anything Danny McBride touches, yeah, I, it's, I it's will gold. consume. It is gold. So, so yeah, HBO. I miss it. I miss the good old days. But let's see where it goes. Man, I add a list of things to watch every time. I, every time we do this, man, list of things to watch from y'all guys. Have you watched any of them since we last met? I have not gotten a chance to, but I have a list of things ready when I have my day off. And I'm excited. That's all you need right there. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be sitting back, probably open up a bag of chips and just go at it. Some jackets. Chef Boyardee's day off. Oh, yeah. Much needed. That's what's needed right there. By the way, I think we missed one category, didn't we? Was Quotes, baby. Quotes, the quote, baby. man. Go for it. Mr. I mean, Vala, let us know this quote. The legendary quote Tywin tells Jamie oh. when he's skinning the fuck out of that elk. He says, the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinion of the sheep. Boom. Just well said. I love that, man. Yet, you know deep down inside, Jamie absolutely cares about the opinion of how everyone views him 100%. as the Kingslayer. When in reality, he saved millions of lives. Best character in the show, in the grand scheme of things. The best character, Arth, I think. Jamie Lannister. All said. I agree. Good night. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great quote. But, and for me, I think it's just a simple, uh, you know, it was kind of like a simple foreshadowing to what is to come, for what is to come. And that is, winter's coming. You, after the whole introduction of the White Walkers and everything, and knowing, unfortunately, what it can lead to in the future, yeah, winter's coming. And when once when everything is predicated upon winter coming and what holds, you know, beyond the walls and whatnot. So, yeah, greatest foreshadowing in just three words. I had the same thing to build. For I don't know how long I've asked myself what the hell is about to pull up, when is it about to pull up, and when it did pull up, man, oh my gosh, it came. It came. So, yeah, man, I had the same thing. Winter is coming. That's what she said. Oh. Oh. That's what everybody and their mom said in the show to each other. Winter is coming. Yeah, the amount of taglines and I think just money they made off those three words. It, it was everywhere. So, yeah, bro. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what else there is to but say. I mean, about it was a great, like, I like, it was a great cliffhanger for people. To think, what, man, what the hell is coming? They always showed us these small little clips of these White Walkers. So you're right, Nabil, man. It, that's it. I love your quote, Vala, but I think the winter is coming. Got to take the take the throne on this one. No, that's the, that's the easy, the easy, easy way, way out. out. Yeah. Easy way out. But I love I your quote, it. man. I think everybody should live by that. 
Damn, bro. What Agreed. else is there to say about season one, fam? Who won, who won season one? Who was the winner of season one to y'all? Man. There's a lot of people we didn't mention. We didn't talk Daenerys. about Daenerys. Can't yeah. be that story. It has to be Daenerys, I think, that comes out on top, right? You, your, your dragons hatch. You have them. You kind of see like what actually was supposed to be. Even though you lost your husband... And your army. And your army. And all your supplies and resources. I think it's just the And you're in the desert. I agree. But even I think just knowing for the fact that what what we saw after what those dragons entailed, I think meant everything for me. That's why I was just like, you know, I think not at the end of season one, but I think knowing the grand scheme of thing, what those dragons represented. Yeah, I think that was the main reason why she came up on top. Well, she came out on top all right. Oh, well. On Jon Snow many times. Oh, ho. Um, Yeah. Daenerys was a good one. (laughs) What about, let me see. Hodor, Hodor going naked in season Ooh. one was a winner. I, Hodor. Hodor going naked. Yeah, he came out naked in front of Bran and the wildling woman one scene, just randomly for no reason. DJ Hodor. DJ Hodor, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go see it. Oh, Good for him, man. Yeah, he's a DJ in real life. Oh, dead ass? Yeah, dead yeah. ass. <laughs> and all he says is Hodor in all the songs. Bro, y'all fucking with me right now. Is this like no. a real... I'm going to look this DJ up. DJ Hodor. I'm going to look this up. This DJ is a real thing? DJ, DJ Hodor, Hodor is a real thing. DJ Hodor is real. But, um... That's just a great marketing scheme right there. That's amazing. Huh? Can't go against it. Tyrion wasn't a winner yet. Tyrion <laughs> won season two. A lot of establishing characters. Holy so. shit, dude. Y'all are serious. He's a... Ho- I'm yeah. telling you. He's a Hodor and, and he's a DJ. <laughs> Tell me when to go to a concert. The, the real life Pokemon. There you go. This is awesome. There you go. Now you got your life. This full. is awesome. You gotta go to a DJ Hodor concert. I wouldn't even mind. We're gonna be saying the same shit over and over. Bro, there's again, been there's but... been so many times in the hospital where I'm going into an elevator uh-huh. and I'm like bare oh, it's closing and I'll scream like hold the door. <laughs> just hoping someone will get that reference. But every time they just look at me like, What the fuck? Why'd you say it like that? What's wrong with you? People are just uncultured. I'm sorry they haven't witnessed Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's the monoculture of our time. They should be read up on it. Wow. I love it. Just cancel them. Come on, dude. All right, let me ask you. How many people have y'all tried to convince to watch this show? I've popped like 20 Game of Thrones cherries. Oh, yeah? Yeah, dude. I'm a a player. Naboo? None. Oh, I've, everybody! I, I know I've already <laughs> you watched it. You set the bar it. so high. You set the bar very <laughs> high. Twenty, yeah. I'm like, can't compete. I can't even convince my wife. Yeah, no, no. But everybody I've known has usually either watched it or have has no interest in it. So yeah, no. Damn, I've gotten three people. It seemed like such a virgin compared to you. Yeah, Boy. I mean, you're on your way up, dude. You're still young. Damn. <laughs> Teach me your ways. That's crazy, man. Did they all like it? What did they say? They all watched every episode all the way to the damned ending. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I feel like you just have to. Even if you tell them. Again, you like, give them a lot, man. Sucks. Everybody's going to have to wait and go watch it. Oh, we didn't do casting what ifs. Oh, yeah. Go for it. That we, we did the one? rock. As just the rock, yeah, the rock as Hodor? Is that nobody else. That's the That's only one? I had, bro. Everything else was casted. So, like I said, I think the context of that was just because you saw what each one of these characters meant and like how well they acted their role later on in their uh in the seasons as well. So I, I really can't think of anybody else. I'm surprised y'all finally, we didn't have a casting. What if where y'all just pick a female character and replace her with the hottest actress you can think of. Oh my gosh. No, that it was, it was just done so beautifully. Well, I can't do that. Yeah. Let's replace Santa Stark with Beyonce. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, now that you bring it up, Bala, I gotta think that. Yeah. Taylor Swift should be in. Damn. There. I wouldn't mind that. Would there not you mind You've, that. You convinced him. Aria's Rihanna, I guess you have to recast the whole Stark family. They're now African-Americans. Oh, 
So Cardi B's in it too now. Megan Can I get Jay Z as Matt Stark? Oh, Megan the Stallion is Brianna Tart. Let's go. Megan the Stallion is Brianna Tart. She's using those legs and sword fights, dude. She needs to go play O line for the Texans, bro. She can't be doing that, man. (laughs) Yeah, she does. They need help up on that line as well. And at the quarterback position. Bill O'Brien would be a great Hodor. Bill O'Brien. Oh, with that chin? Yeah. Yeah, He'd be a great Hodor. Yeah. I'll take that. Wow. There's some casting whatevs right there. Yeah. yeah. Well we done. Just, we just shook up season one with the black family. Yeah, shake up season one with the black family and put Bill O'Brien as Hodor. Done. What else do you need right there? Wait. Cardi B as Lady Catelyn Stark. The mother Ooh. the motherly figure. I would take that. <laughs> I, I, I would I might I might actually take that right there. Done. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Who else can we add to this? Oh, I'm trying to think, man. I'm trying to think. Oh man, if if he was uh, still alive, Robert Baratheon as J- James Avery, Uncle James Phil. Avery. Well done, <laughs> Uncle Uncle Phil, bro. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So John Snow's Will Smith, a young John Will Snow, Smith. John Snow's Will Smith, phenomenal. What else could you have asked for? The Fresh Prince of Winterfell. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Winterfell. Honestly, I, I'm all for this all black casting of of Game of Thrones. I wow. think this would be a lot better. This is just freaking. Black Panther all over again. This would be this would be much better. So at this point, I think we could do it better. Oh, Jamie Foxx, Littlefinger. Ooh, Ooh. who would be Varys? Man, that's good. It's got to be Tyler Perry, bro. Tyler Perry. I can't think of any chubbier black guy. No, uh, actually, in a redemption role, Eddie Murphy. Oh wow. Eddie Murphy as Littlefinger. So he would play good eunuch. Exactly. Wow, I don't know what that says about him. I mean, <laughs> Doctor Varus, Doctor Varus Doolittle, Doctor Varus Doolittle, bro. Come on now. Who else is there? Oh, we can finally do Tony Cox as Peter Dinklage. Tony yes, <laughs> yes. Would the oh. White Walkers be Black Walkers? No, we keep them White Walkers. Keep them White Walkers. Yeah, we, we just a menacing tone exactly. of a, a white sense. privilege coming your way. Exactly. Yep. Steve we, Nash's coaching staff Steve coming Nash. your way. A bunch of Steve Nash's. <laughs> oh, bad. I'm actually I'm, I'm for this recasting now. You open up a, a pantheon of worms. I can. This would be an game. interesting uh, passion project. That One season of an all black Game of Thrones cast. It would probably be much better too. Who who, who would design? Who would, would run direct out of characters. it? Direct it. Ryan Coogler. Oh wow! Yeah. 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 That's oh, a mighty choice. No. Did he ever do a Game of Thrones episode? Ryan Coogler. I feel like he did. No, there's no, no way. Ryan Coogler, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of different things. There's lots of thoughts when it comes to Game of Thrones and many more seasons of Game of Thrones to explore in this rewatch style. Do y'all have any closing words for the fans of the pod or the fans of the greatest TV series ever minus season seven and eight? I mean, I like to combine that with saying our fans are the greatest fans in the history of television, radio, film, anything, media whatsoever. That is true. And you haven't watched Game of Thrones. Please go out there and watch it. Just Put a whole couple of days aside. It's going to take you a while. Shout out to our number one fan, Jeff Bezos. Jeff keep, Bezos, bro. Keep listening to the show. Oklahoma City Thunder, they're waiting for you. Buy them. Ding. Cleveland Browns, buy them. Buy, buy the all shitty franchises. <laughs> but with that, bro, bounce. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, waiting on me. Bye. Bye.